0: Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you.
1: That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose and you will not stop me. You are listening to
2: Mojo Sports.
0: Yeah, welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show episode 35. My name is Dean Frost and as always supported by the best panel, In the business. Tonight we've got a full house. We've got Beck, we've got Alex and we've got Stacey. Guys, when you think about the NFL, I guess what we love about it, what we love about our blockbuster movies is the villains that, you know, sort of come come through and and, and make things a little bit interesting. And, well, we're not short on a villain or two in the NFL. And that's my question for you off the top is, which player do you dislike and why in the NFL? Stacey, going to start with you. Obviously, there's quite a few options out there. Uh, Which one are you going
2: yeah, look, I'm gonna go with uh, someone probably not well known given his last name, and that's uh that's Richie Incognito. Um, he's just he's just dirty. And I have to give him props because he did come from Nebraska and I have a bit of a, an affinity towards the Corn Huskers, but like he's just a dirty, dirty guy. The holding, the hits after the whistle, like it just you have to hate him. It's she's like, man, why are you going to do that? Yeah.
0: And Google, Google him for his uh, back catalog of um, some of his weird and wonderful inc- uh, incidents off the field. Uh, yeah. He's uh, he's definitely got an interesting rap sheet. Speaking of uh, the player that I've gone with, and I think he wins in a landslide is Antonio Brown. Um, I guess, you know, where to, where to start when you talk about, when you talk about AB, I mean, you know, in terms of his on-field play dynamic, great player, you know, when he was playing for Pittsburgh, had he have not um, sort of disrupted things in, in, that, in that dressing room, he would have, you know, gone on and probably been a Hall of Famer. But obviously he's continued to continued to uh, struggle. And, you know, part of the issues with AB is my friend Antonio, and again, I know you listen to this podcast, you have to pay for things. When you bring businesses in to do things for you, you have to pay your bills. AB refuses to pay people, has a temper has a rap sheet beyond Richie Incognito uh, and is just not a not a good person and then throw in all of the COVID-19, fakes the vaccination card only to though, then go and get a vaccine. Yeah, there, there's some serious issues there with AB and I hope hope that he gets the help that he needs. But, uh, hey, a handy footballer and, and, and a guy that Tom Brady certainly likes to get a little bit of production out of. Um, Beck, again, we love our villains in the NFL. Uh, where are you going with this one?
1: Yeah, speaking of the Buccaneers, I feel like this is a player that like everyone kind of like loves to hate, and it's Tom Brady, and it's not because he's a terrible guy or a bad person, but I just feel like we're sick of seeing him win everything. Like he's been around for too long. Share it around. Why are you still playing? Like let someone else have a turn.
0: Yeah, he's, uh, you know, we're starting to lose track of how many Super Bowls he's winning. We get it. You're the GOAT. I mean, uh, come on, give someone else an opportunity. But now, as an old Patriots supporter... Uh, love me some Tom Brady, Alex. I, I know you sort of sat on this one for a little bit, but to be honest, it was a pretty it was a pretty easy choice for you.
3: Yeah, I don't like Baker Mayfield at all. No way, shape, or form do I like Baker Mayfield. I, I think there's just for me, I guess as a quarterback, like you're the person leading the team, and this goes back to his college days. When We're he was talk at about the flag again. You don't again, stick the please. flag in the middle of the shoe. I don't care whether you win or lose. You just don't do it. <laughs> but if we go back to week one of this year, the NFL, take the flag out of the in the shoe out of it. First off, he had other antics on the side of the field during his last year at Oklahoma as well that I don't think warranted him winning the Heisman Trophy. And it's just sort of arrogance that he's bought to to the Browns. But also just, like, when you get an incompletion or you don't get a touchdown and you're face down in the ground and you start doing this like you're a five-year-old child, like, that's just, you know, like, stand up, get off the field, and, and, like, throw, go throw something. But, like, don't don't have a, like, tantrum on the field.
0: All right, guys, let's move through to our next segment for tonight, The Huddle. Leave
2: no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles... The long drought is over. How about those two?
3: A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl
0: history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, and this week on The Huddle, we're, uh, yeah, we're going to be focusing in on an interesting team, to say the least, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders. Stacey... It doesn't seem so long ago that we looked at this franchise making the move to Vegas in an unbelievable stadium. And you've got a coach who's on this decade-long contract. Uh, You're signing all of these great players. It looks like your quarterback is about to take the next step and become, you know, one of the game's elite quarterbacks. Everything seemed to be falling into place for the Raiders. But, you know, you talk about franchises imploding, and this has been some season from Vegas.
2: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And you know, you did look, yeah, I had to feel for Raiders fans this year because early in the season, things looked so positive. I mean, John Gruden, you know, he was one of my favorite coaches for a long time because of his analytics and the way that he works with the QBs. You could see that in Derek Carr and everything was on the up and up and it's just all fallen down horribly around them all.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly been uh, well, Let's get into it, and and Alex, um, let's start with uh, the coach. Now, we want to be very, very clear. We want to be very, very strong that we do not condone anything that John Gruden said. Uh, obviously, you know that that's that's totally uh, that's totally the wrong thing to do, and we certainly um, you know support the termination of his contract. But but Alex, take us a little bit behind the scenes in terms of how the termination came to be around some of the the emails, the Washington Football Team. Uh, it was, it's a really interesting situation, but there's just a little bit of a stink to this whole situation.
3: Yeah, there definitely is. And I think the hard, the, the tough thing for the Raiders front office at that time is like the one email, it was supposed to be just the one email with the one issue. And then it's, it's kind of, and you go, okay, it, I made a, and he came out and he goes, I made a mistake. You know, I said things back then that I shouldn't have, like, yada, yada, yada. Um, trying to kind of like sweep it under the rug really quickly, I think, because he probably knew what else was coming out. And I think that's kind of the issue there, I think, for him, is that what came out and what followed that was just more emails, even more stuff that he was saying that he shouldn't have been saying. And, you know, like, while I understand it was a different time, there's certain there's stuff you just don't say at all. And there's stuff that you can sit there and go, OK, I get that that stuff was a different time and period. But it just you just don't do it. You don't put in an email. And to, in today's day and age, where you can go back and you can find everything, like you just it just showed a side of him. Especially when you see him kind of last year being that leader and that big personality in the locker room, and someone that these guys trusted and look up to. For him to kind of go and break that trust the way he did, especially when you know the players, you know he's had he has an openly gay player on his team, and he's got all these young men underneath him that he should be leading and setting an example for. And you just kind of that fall from grace. I feel like it's such a letdown for the team who trusted him and believed in him to take them forward.
0: That's right. And Beck, I, I just want to throw this quickly to you because the emails were, were sort of, there was an investigation into the Washington football team, into their owner who obviously he's done the wrong thing, kind of got out of it a little bit. He's stood aside and now his wife's running the franchise. The whole thing's confusing, but for me, I want to see the rest of the emails because you know, whilst uh, you know Gruden obviously was found out, he can't be the only one. And obviously, the players' association have come out and, and they want to see the emails. They want to see them released to see who else um, has kind of been doing the wrong thing. But um, yeah, obviously, it's good to see that Gruden's been held accountable for for his poor behaviour. But I think I think there's 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 more to this story, and um, I, I think we're going to see a bit more of a fallout to this one.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. Like it takes, you know, you're not just sending an email to yourself. Like you're obviously having a conversation back and forward and obviously possibly with multiple people. So, and he's not the only one saying these things. He's not the only one reading them or seeing them. Like it was obviously a group group thing that went down and he's the only one that's kind of put his hand up and said, yep, I'm going to be accountable. I'm really sorry. Like, you know, wow. it an ago, but it obviously was inappropriate Um, but it's, it's so hard, I think for everyone to grasp what has happened because we don't see that person on the outside, like all the years that he was coaching, all the years that he was commentating, he like put himself out there as such a positive, open, welcoming, good person. And then to hear these things, like it's, it's so strange and odd and it must be heartbreaking for those Raiders players who were with him for the last few years.
2: It's, it's heartbreaking as a fan. I mean, I loved watching Gruden's QB camp. Like that's where I learned so much about the game. That's, that's where I turned to for, uh, you know, for inspiration and things like that. And and it hurts me, but like, at the same time, like, you have to think about it. Like, there's a, you know, the conspiracy theory going around at the moment amidst this whole situation is that John Gruden's going to be suing the NFL exactly. yeah. as a result of thinking that it was potentially, you know, and we've spoken about the Raiders owner before and how that haircut just, just he's just a weird dude, right? Like, you know, he's orchestrated this whole situation, um, which, I mean, if it came out that that was actually a thing too, like, I would feel a little bit better, not to say that, anything that he said in the past is is a good thing because it's not but no I, a, again you're saying it's it's a it's a boys club and they had to be more involved
0: yeah no it's it's good to see him that it's good to see that it took him out of the game but to, i think there's more to come from this alex obviously it's a heavy start to the episode but we have to get through these off-field incident incidents because you know it it, it just is the las vegas raiders at the moment and it just gives you a bit of an insight into how a talented team ha- has imploded on the field Let's move through now to the Henry Ruggs situation. And, again, this is just heartbreaking from from all different sides, but we really want to focus on, you know, the family. Obviously, Henry Ruggs, uh, you know, obviously was, was caught drink driving, um, a horrific crash. Um, obviously, you know, someone lost their life. So our condolences to that family. Just just a heartbreaking situation. And, and, again, we've got to be really hard on this because this is just stupidity. I mean, this is 2021 he needed to know better. Better, um, obviously, this was a huge mistake. But um, yeah, just just, I, I yeah, it's it's hard to put into words, isn't it? Our, our level of disappointment and frustration about this whole situation.
3: Yeah, it's it's frustrating too, especially when you look at kind of the Raiders and what potentially they could have been this season and how they started. Right, they went three and zero and they did really well. For him to go out and do what he was to to do that and make that choice um, to a drink and drive because that is a choice right whether you're it doesn't matter what's going through your head at that point you chose to do that you chose to get behind the car or behind the wheel um and go and do that so and i think there was a report too they ended up going like 156 miles per hour right before the crash and there's just no need to, i don't care what kind of car you have i don't care how much money you have there is no need to be driving that fast anywhere in the world even on the roads like there's a strip in germany where there is no speed limit and it's where like this really windy strip or whatever, I still wouldn't be doing 156 on that road. And I can go whatever I want. But, like, there's just no need. And I think...
2: What's more heartbreaking, though, is Derek Carr. Like... He'd gotten a message earlier that night from Henry Ruggs and he beat himself up so badly because he, I think he was asleep or he missed the text message. It was like 3am, whatever, but he, you know, he was reached out to and he couldn't respond for whatever reason. So man, for Derek Carr to have to bear the brunt of that burden at the same time, like you got to feel for him as well.
0: Yeah. Uh,
3: Bec. Yeah, shouldn't have been behind the wheel. Like, like it, and you I, I, call the people, call a cab. Just because you couldn't reach your quarterback like there's no need for Derek Carr to feel bad and I don't think that's fair to him to to, to feel bad and for people to go well Derek Carr should have done x y and dead like he what he's got a family he's got like kids he probably doesn't want to be going out at four o'clock in the morning to pick up his his teammate so I have no sympathy for that he made the decision to get behind the wheel that's his choice and he needs to pay the consequences for that one
0: yeah no we definitely yeah. support Gruden now uh, obviously the rug situation Beck, it is difficult because Derek Carr is left holding the can when it comes to this franchise. He's got to try and pull this whole thing together. And if we just focus in on Derek Carr, I mean, we've spoken about this past episodes. He he would be the nicest guy in the competition. It's a very difficult position. I mean, we didn't even touch on the the Damon Arnett situation with the guns and the the social media. You know, I I think there's some mental health stuff there, so I I just hope that he gets the, the help that he needs. But... Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about where Derek Carr must be at. I mean, you talk about leaders and, and him having to guide this franchise. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's a very difficult situation.
1: He has to be the most patient, calm and understanding person in the world. To be dealing with everything that he is off the field, like losing his head coach, losing his number one receiver, having to deal with all the drama, press conferences, you know, those awkward questions that he doesn't probably know the answers to. Like it's dealing with this shit off the field. It must be so hard. But then to be able to turn up to training every day, still play super hard, still, you know, lift your teammates up around you, still want to win like it's, it's a next level type of person. Cause I kind of like, I don't picture many other quarterbacks in the league being able to handle all of the controversy that he has this year and still go out and play as well as he's playing.
3: I a hundred percent agree. Like you got to give him props for what he's been able to do. And he's still been able to go out there and play and do the best that he can and kind of carry this team. Because at the end of the day, like, he's a quarterback. He's a football player. Like he's not really prepped, you know, at press conferences, I'm sure he would rather talk about football. That's what he knows. That's what he loves. That's why he's a quarterback. So it must be incredibly difficult for him to have to constantly field these types of questions when you're like, all I want to do is talk football. Like, yeah. Okay, great. Like that stuff happened. Like, but eventually you just kind of got to move on and they're, they're football players at the end of the day. Right. And they are human too. And I think sometimes we forget that aspect as well. Right. Like they're, they're people, they make mistakes, but I think Derek Carr just kind of wants to go out there and, and be like, because if I was him, I'd be pissed.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'd be well and truly pissed. And I'd be going to everybody in that team. You are not allowed to go anywhere. You have a curfew. There is going to be a bus to and from trainings. Like if, if I was Derek Carr, I'd be pissed.
0: So I give him, exactly right.
3: I'd be pissed at Gruden. I'd be pissed at the receivers and the antics that are going on. And I'd just be like telling my teammates to get together.
0: Because, Alex, this was the year where they could have taken the division, obviously, with Kansas City, you know, faltering. It was, uh, yeah, no, definitely a frustrating situation. Beck, uh, obviously, a new coach is going to run into town uh, next season. You know, you, you sort of – you want to use the word rebuild, but, but it's not quite that. You know, you have a look at this roster and there still is talent. Uh, let's go through a few of the players that has impressed us, obviously, during difficult circumstances. Darren Waller, as a tight end, outstanding talent. Uh, recommend our listeners go through and listen to his story. He's got a very interesting one. Probably hasn't been at his best. A few injuries there. Um, but talk to us a little bit about the running back, Josh Jacobs, because you know when you think about some of the more consistent players on the roster, you know Jacobs, he continues to bring it week in, week out.
1: Yeah, he definitely has, and I think that's the one positive thing this offence has to look forward to each week is Josh Jacobs coming out, running his heart out, putting some points on the board and just really lifting this offence and creating a running game. Like I don't think we expected it from him at the beginning of the season, but then with all of this change and stuff happening, he's kind of stepped up and come out as like this light and shining armour for this offence and has probably given Derek Carr something, excited to, something to be excited about as well.
0: And Stacey, I just want to quickly jump in and, and give you, I guess, the surprising best player when it when it comes to the Raiders. Here we go, Hunter Ren, Hunter Renfro. Hunt, yeah, Out, yeah, Stacey, Renfro t- was take it away. To t- talk, talk to us about your friend, your buddy. You know, I, I know you're a big fan of this guy, but uh, look, I have to say, you know, he's a Clemson product, but uh, you know, you, you have to look at him on the screen. It's uh, anyway. Take it away, Hunter Renfro. Hunter
2: Renfro is the most underrated. Player I think that's ever won a national championship. I mean, that game where he got that clutch touchdown in the end zone he hadn't been targeted much um you know he's been pretty quiet but this year like he's just he's stepping in and he's doing his job um he runs solid routes he gets open when he needs to and and again we always talk about that tight end position as being that uh you know that release valve for the quarterback and Hunter Renfro was definitely that but combine him with Zay Jones you know third year wide receiver uh, for the Raiders. He was taking the, he's taken the place of Henry Ruggs at the moment. If you can, if you look at those two as a pairing, because they usually play on the same side, Zay Jones has had 17 receptions for 257 yards. Like that's not a lot of receptions for quite a lot of yards. And and it's, it's how that scheme works together with Renfro and Zay Jones, you know, it's that push pull mentality that we see, you know, in teams like the chiefs and uh, you know, the way, the way that they use their talent there, but both these players like there's there's so many positives to this team
0: yeah that's right it, it, it's not going to be a rebuild it's going to be a re- retool but they're going to have to get that coach right you know it's uh you know there's a lot of talent out there they can go young they can go experience they can go offensive they can go defensive minded coach but they have to get it right and they have uh, they have a bit of an interesting owner there so uh yeah fingers crossed they can get it right all right guys it's time for our predictions for their record uh, look, you know, there is a lot of doom and gloom in and around this franchise and it probably stays the same when it comes to the record I'm giving them. I'm going I'm to tip eight and nine. I just feel like I just can't trust the uh, the confidence and, and, and some of the things that's happening uh, happening off the field. I think the wheels will come off the Raiders at some point in time. A credit to them and a credit to Derek Carr for being able to keep this thing together. Um, Darren Waller really needs to get back to his, uh, he really needs to get back on the field as well to help contribute. Uh, Beck, what's your record quickly on this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go the same as you. I think they're going to go eight and nine. They have a couple of more wins, but I think they have a couple of tough games coming up as well that could go either way. Stace?
2: Yeah, I'm actually pretty similar. And I guess when you look at a little bit of the stats, like they've got a 13% chance of taking the playoffs. And if they lose to the Chiefs um, with their next game, it drops down to 7%. So I'm, I'm going to stick with you guys in the 8 and 9.
0: Yeah, Alex, we I, I guess the three of us have only got them winning a couple more games. Are we being too hard on them? Or what, what's your thoughts on their record?
3: No, I think, I think 8 and 9 is fair. I'm going to go 7 and 10 just because I, I feel like, there's potential for them to win, but there's potential for them to win every week. And I think I saw an interesting headline this uh, kind of past week for the NFL game where they need to invest in a large batch of coffee because they just need to they need to kick into gear faster. And I think that's just that's a tough one for them. They take a little while to get going. They're a little bit sleepy. Here go, the coffee. So maybe Duncan needs to sponsor something for the team <laughs> and get him moving over there because, you know, maybe it could be the Raiders run on Duncan. I don't know. It will never be that, but they need some coffee to wake up a little bit, but I see them going seven to 10. All
0: right, guys, let's move through to our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. We've got a bit of a special one tonight in the match. Uh, the question we've got for you guys, uh, the two players that are coming up against each other are brothers who is the best Manning brother, Peyton Manning or Eli Manning? Alex, let's start with our little mate Eli Manning because, as a New England Patriots supporter, it's uh, it's uh, it's tough, you know. He's a uh, anyway. Look, take it away with Eli Manning. He's a guy who certainly uh, made made our life very very miserable when it comes to uh, the New England Patriots, but um, yeah, certainly had a successful uh, career there in New York.
3: Yeah, I think it's interesting when you match the two Manning brothers, right? It's kind of who, who, who you look at its stats, right? Because if you look at kind of championships, it could be Eli. If you look at stats, it's Peyton. So I think this is a very interesting matchup to kind of explore. As far as Eli, went to Ole Miss 2000-2003, 829 for 1,363. 1, Can't read the numbers. Apologies. He had over 10,000 passing yards, 81 touchdowns. In 2003, he was top SEC for passing touchdowns and total yards. Heisman voting, he was third in 2003. Was,
2: was, Eli, was Eli the – he went to the same college as Archie, right?
3: Yes. And it was Peyton did. that didn't. Peyton went to Tennessee. Uh, Eli went to the same, same colleges as Archie, who also went to Ole Miss. But what was interesting is he was drafted by San Diego, but he spent his whole career with the New York Giants. And what was interesting is the Giants selected Rivers with the fourth overall pick. Eli went number one. And later in the day – Giants went. You know what? We don't want Rivers. So Eli was traded to the to the Giants for Philip Rivers and three draft picks. And some people believe that the Charges won out on that deal.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's going to go down in history as one of the most dramatic uh, draft day moments. But uh, Stacey, you know, when, when you think about a quarterback position, you know, it's really good to get that rah rah player, someone who can, can really get the energy moving. But other times, it, it I guess it's good to have a calm, composed player. Eli Manning just looks like, you know, he's a guy that, you know, nothing phases him. Uh, Talk us through his, let's call it a unique personality type when it comes to the quarterback position.
2: I mean, if anyone's listened to the Manning show on the Monday Night Football, I mean, you can just see, you know, how different they are in personality. And Eli's just got this, like you said, it's that calmness uh it's that, it's that Southern style, like attitude where it's like, yeah, whatever happens, we'll just take it. But at the same time, like, you know, he's, he's beaten Belichick and Brady. So the two greatest, the greatest coach ever and the greatest player ever. So, I mean, he's, he's definitely doing something right.
1: I feel like being the youngest Manning brother, he's probably copped a lot of shit over the years. So he's just had to learn to like brush it off his shoulders and get on with it. And that's probably made him a better player, having to deal with, you know, constant criticism and having like taking on feedback so positively rather than getting upset by it. Like he's, yeah, being the youngest sibling, I don't think is easy, but I think it's also given him a bit of a a boost in terms of his quarterback play.
3: And when you look at the
1: like the likes of his father and the likes of Peyton, like that
3: is a big shadow to be standing in, right? So I mean, for him, he's had twenty seven comeback wins and thirty seven game winning drives in his season. He spent sixteen all sixteen seasons with the New York Giants. He had the twenty sixteen Walter Payton Man of the Year. He's got six different accolades as far as his career goes, six Super Bowl appearances and two wins. But he went to the Super Bowl four times with the Giants. Like it's I mean, yeah. as far as kind of appearances go, he's kind of leading ahead of Peyton.
0: Alex, when, when you think about, you know, he, he's a very interesting Hall of Fame debate as well because he doesn't show the intangibles, you know, him as an athlete, him as a quarterback, you know, there's question marks as to whether he should make it in the, into the Hall of Fame. Obviously, him winning those Super Bowls probably gets him in. But Alex, the other thing that I wanted to raise with Eli availability is another skill and, and something that is highly underrated when it comes to quarterbacks. You know, Eli Eli Manning broke records in terms of his availability as a quarterback for, for the New York Giants. This, this guy was never hurt, never suspended, always available, you know, and, and, you know, if he's going out there and he's producing seven out of ten each and every week, it's, um it, it means a lot for a franchise.
3: It definitely does, and you can see the consistency in their play and how often when your quarterback's, injury-free he's healthy he's not suspended um it kind of leads the team a little bit right because you're kind of like well I want to make sure I'm out there so I'm creating that that repertoire with him and you see it with Brady as well right hasn't really seen too much it hasn't has been there and you've seen the amount of times he's made the playoffs and I think that shows when you've got a quarterback that is there consistently for every snap it keeps that one key consistent consistency throughout the team, throughout season and se- throughout season seasons. So, I mean, yeah.
2: but for the giants now, like what they've done with Daniel Jones, like is, I feel like they've, they've, they've taken Eli Manning and going, okay, here's our, here's our mold. Let's try and fit someone with equally as, as boring and easygoing going as Eli Manning from like a, you know, from a game perspective and tried to fit Daniel Jones in to recreate the Eli Manning experience. And I don't think that's possible.
3: No, I don't think that's possible. Cause I don't think the way we play football now would suit the Manning brothers.
0: Yeah, no, that, that that's fair. And uh, Daniel Jones uh, couldn't tie up Eli Manning's uh, shoelaces, and that says a lot because Eli, you know, probably not one of the most talented players. But uh, yeah, no, definitely agree with uh, with that personality match. In fact, there's pictures out there on the internet. I recommend our listeners go and do a bit of googling where they just look like the same person, same uh, same uh, uh, yeah facial expressions as well. Alex um you know if, if they didn't have uh, the same last name you would be forgiven for for thinking that these two players were, were not brothers let's let's flip it over now and talk about Peyton Manning because Peyton he's a he's a whole different character Let, let's talk about his origins um, you know obviously you know a, a star coming through and, and a very different player
3: yeah definitely I mean he went to Tennessee from 94 to 97 so very different era of football again. Um, which I think is why it's interesting again to match him up. Um, had three bowl wins, one bowl loss, won the Gator in 94, won the Citrus Bowl in 95, 96, lost the Orange Bowl in 97, um, which, you know, that was his last year. So a bit of a bummer to God on that one. Uh, was drafted first by the Indianapolis Colts in 98, um, got second in 97 Heisman voting. So it's kind of surprising that neither one of these brothers has a Heisman. Trophy under their belt. I'd be did, archie, did archie win the Heisman? I don't know. I'd you'd have to look that one up. I have no idea. Um, good question. I don't Thanks. feel like if a any fans, If any of the fans listening have an answer to that question might be a good one for him uh, I don't
1: think like a Heisman is always such a great accolade but because we see so many college players who win the Heisman and then come out and don't do so well in the NFL so yeah it's a great as a college representation but in terms of references in the NFL I don't think it matches up anyway so I'm not bothered that neither of them have one <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Google machine says that Archie Manning was fourth in the Heisman vote. Ah,
3: so they go, no, he didn't win. Peyton was the closest. But, yeah, 17 in the NFL, 13 years with the Colts, four years with Denver Broncos. Again, 43 comeback wins, 54 game-winning drives, 2006 Super Bowl MVPs, got two, and that was against the Bears, so I can't say that with too much happiness um, in 06 when the Colts won that one um he then came back and won it again with the with Denver and I thought what was interesting is that when he kind of got traded to Denver from the Colts it was a little bit of like oh that's his it's his kind of farewell his farewell tour like people weren't expecting much out of him and then he goes to the playoffs what was it twice with Denver and actually wins the Super Bowl
0: yeah and and that's a really good point Stacey Peyton Manning did the Tom Brady Buccaneers thing before it was uh trendy you know he to Alex's point, yeah, no one no one expected him to do anything there at Denver, but they were a quarterback away, uh, and and I guess there was a lot of skepticism as to whether he, he was he was up to it, you know. And, and Peyton Manning, at the end, he he wasn't prime Peyton Manning, but you know, I, I guess one of the things that's always sort of uh, I, I guess you know made him elite is his ability to you know know the playbook, be able to make adjustments at the line, and he was just able to outsmart um, outsmart his opposition, outsmart the defense. Uh, Manage games and, uh, yeah, ultimately had a lot of success there at Denver.
2: Oh, completely. He's definitely one of the the smartest football players that there ever has been. I mean, aside from Tony Romo, who's just the rain man, right? Um, But, you know, I think what Peyton did really well was when he went to the Broncos, he embodied the John Elway, you know, the way that they played, that he played football, you know, just he was taking runs when he, you know, he was doing the old man running like Tom Brady does, except – also not as athletic um, you know but it was also that team too I mean von Miller was the MVP of that Super Bowl game So you know I think he was just you know the vehicle. For, for the way that that season ended for him, but Peyton Manning, one, he's the funniest dude I think ever um, from a football perspective. But again, one of the most smartest and one of the most well respected, um, you know, across the league.
0: Yeah, but knew his limitations and didn't didn't try too much. And ultimately, that, that's what that's what uh, yeah put another uh, Super Bowl there in his collection. All right, guys, time to time to make a pick here uh, when it comes to, when it comes to the ma- the match and uh, Alex. Yeah, really interesting when you look at their stats. It's a lot closer than what it looks looks to be. Uh, Beck, uh, yeah, lead us off where are you going with this one Peyton or Eli?
1: Um, I really like both these brothers and like you said in terms of stats and playing they're both very similar players they have really great stats over their careers Um, but I'm going to go to the personality side and I'm going to pick Peyton because I love a big personality I love someone who's going to hype you up before a game I love someone who's going to trash talk during during the plays and all that kind of stuff and I feel like Peyton Manning is definitely one of those guys and I just love that kind of energy on the field.
0: Yeah, look, easy one for me. I cannot pick Eli Manning. The, the guy just, he, he, crushed, he crushed us uh, in New England. So not a fan of him, but uh, yeah, no, totally respect his game. I, I think Peyton at a pinch, probably had a little bit more talent uh, than Eli, but um, yeah, great to see what he was able to do there at the end there for Denver. Uh, Stace?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I love Peyton, uh, you know, his work ethic. And, you know, if anyone gets a chance to have a read of the Brady v. Manning rivalry, it, it's one of the great football stories that I think, uh, you know, exist at the moment. Um, but I actually have to go Eli because, like I said, he's beaten Belichick and Brady. So, in terms of footballing, he's better.
0: Yeah, no, rings don't lie. That's for sure. He uh, had a, had an amazing career, and, and I'm sure he'll uh, he'll walk into the Hall of Fame now. Alex, uh, yeah, round us out here.
3: Yeah, I'm going to go with Eli as well, just because he's got Super Bowl wins. He's got two Super Bowl MVPs, but also Peyton beat the Bears in 06 in the Super Bowl. And if that's the only time the Bears make the Super Bowl in my lifetime, then that's just sad. So I can't go with Peyton because he beat the Bears so I'm going to go with Eli, just because he beat New England, and that makes me feel good. But also the fact that he has a he has a Super Bowl and his MVP. He's had, he has a Super Bowl win, and he has his two Super Bowl MVP trophies as well.
0: All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And hey, We're going to talk all about that and a whole
2: bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. It's your apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, okay. is show.
0: Scary.
2: oh, my
1: boss is singing Closing Time. Maybe that's what you're
0: doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, the question I've got for you is, which coach would you like to see win a Super Bowl? I'm going to kick us off, and for me, it's Mike Tomlin. I just... He is a guy that I would love to play for. And you even look at, you know, some of his comments in, in recent times. I think Claypool, you know, came out and said, you know, part of the part of the vibes off, you know, with, with the team at the moment, we should be playing, uh, you know, music at practice. And Tomlin just came in and said, well, you know, we'll let Claypool uh, be a receiver and I think I'll take control of the practices. The way in which he delivers uh, his press conferences, he's just very, very impressive and um yeah, but he you know, hasn't had hasn't had a lot of success in recent years, so it'd be good to see him uh, uh, get there one day, but hopefully not at the expense of the Patriots. Uh, Stacey, uh, what's your thoughts on this one? A little bit of sentimental value here as we we scan across the, the league, but, um, yeah, which coach have you got here?
2: Yeah, I've actually got Dan Quinn. Um, you know, I'm loving his defense with the Cowboys at the moment. Like, it's beast, and it's been amazing to see – uh, him really turned that franchise around. And, and what was actually kind of funny was, uh, you know, when Mike McCarthy was out with COVID, Dan Quinn wasn't actually given the interim head C role. He was just the point guard in charge of calling plays. They never actually gave him that title. Um, so I think that's pretty funny. And I actually think that he needs to win another Super Bowl to redeem himself from the 2016 loss when he was with Atlanta, Atlanta um, to the Patriots when he lost with that blowout 28. Point to three
0: lead. Yeah, no, I think he spent a lot of time in therapy uh, over that one. Beck, what about yourself?
1: Yeah, for me, I'm going to have to go with Pete Carroll. I mean, I feel like he's he's the oldest coach in the league at the moment. He's having a tough year. I feel like he's close to retirement, and it would just be really happy for me to see, even if it, he wasn't with Seattle, like for him just to win one more Super Bowl and f- finish his career on a high. Like he only has one under his belt, and I think. He, as a coach, represents more than a one-time Super Bowl champ.
0: Yeah, it'd be great to see because uh, it's looking like it's going to go another way, which would be very unfortunate uh, for Pete Carroll. Um, Alex, what about your your pick here? Um, you know, Super Bowl is not easy to win, but uh, what coach would you love to see uh, win a title?
1: I'd love
3: to see Sean McVay win one, um, just because I feel like after Super Bowl 53, like I don't think that was his best showing as a coach, and I feel like he is capable of so much more. Um, and I know it goes beyond coaching as well and obviously coach about the team, but, um, yeah, I, I would like to see Sean McVay kind of come back and redeem himself and, and get his Super Bowl because I think, I think he deserves, it. I think he's an awesome coach.
0: All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have tonight. Just want to thank my amazing panel. Always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL and to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, as always, please download the podcast, share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then.